Joshua chapter 7 and verse 1. The Bible says, But Israel violated the instructions about the things set apart for the Lord. A man named Achan had stolen some of these dedicated things, so the Lord was very angry with the Israelites. Achan was the son of Kami and so on and so on. In verse 2, Joshua sent some of his men from Jericho to spy out the town of Ai, east of Bethel, near Bethaven. And when they returned, they told Joshua, there is no need for all of us to go up there. It won't take more than two or 3,000 men to, to attack Ai. Since there are so few of them, don't make all our people struggle to go up there. Let's get over the logistical challenges. Let's just send a small fighting force. So approximately 3,000 warriors were sent, but they were soundly defeated. The men of Ai chased the Israelites from the town gate as far as the quarry. The town gate is where things were announced, where leaders were revealed, and the quarry is where things were prepared. Isn't that interesting? And they killed about 36 who were retreating down the slope. The Israelites were paralyzed with fear at this turn of events. They were paralyzed with fear at this turn of events and their courage melted away. So Joshua and the elders of Israel tore their clothing in dismay, threw dust on their heads and bowed face down to the ground before the ark of God until evening. Then Joshua cried out, God, what on earth is going on? Why did you bring us across the Jordan River if you're gonna let the Amorites kill us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side. Lord, what can I say now that now that Israel has fled from its enemies? For when the Canaanites and the other people living in the land hear about it, they will surround us and wipe us out. And then who's gonna give honour to your great name? But the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why are you lying on your face like this? Israel has sinned and broken my covenant. They have stolen some of the things I commanded them must be set apart to me. And they have not, and they have not only stolen them, but lied about it and hidden the things among their own baggage. That is why Israel is running from the enemies in defeat. For Israel itself has been set apart for destruction. Come over to the eighth chapter and verses one and two. Then the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid or discouraged. And I just feel like today, that might, that might be everything that somebody needs to hear. Don't be afraid or discouraged. Don't be afraid or discouraged. I wanna to speak to someone who's listening to this. I just feel like there's someone in Malaysia today who's listening to this online and right now you need to hear. Don't be afraid or discouraged. Don't be afraid or discouraged. Don't be afraid or discouraged. Take all your fighting men and attack Ai, for I have given you the king of Ai, his people, his town, and his land. You will destroy them as you destroyed Jericho and its king, but this time you may keep the plunder and the livestock for yourselves. Set an ambush behind the town. When we dive into this passage of Scripture, Israel is literally riding high. I mean, they are on top of the world, expectant of the most amazing things. If you were to rewind the book and look what had happened beforehand, the waters of the Jordan had just parted. They'd marched through on dry ground while army uh, spies from the other armies of other nations were gathered on the hilltops on the other side and saw the victory of God. 
By the way, that's something that somebody needs to hear in this room today, that the reason why you haven't yet had your crossing, haven't yet walked into your miracle, is God's waiting until the circumstances are so dire, so desperate and so impossible that when God finally does move, it can't be given credence to the hand of man, but must be ascribed to the greatness of the Most High God. And if you believe in a Jordan crossing God, why don't you give Him some praise? About three seconds right now. Come on. They crossed those waters, then the the walls of Jericho came tumbling down. And right now they are riding high a wave of momentum, unparalleled perhaps in any other moment in human history. They're untouchable. They can do anything. They've got self-belief, confidence, momentum, the wind is in their sails. They are going to change the world. Everything in them is full of optimism. Their chats around the campfire at night are full of belief and confidence and expectation. We are God's people. We're gonna make a great impact. We can change the world. Don't you know who we are? We're too Christian for our church. I can be your hero, baby. God is on my side and I am going to change the world. This is how they feel. They're preparing to attack another town. The town is called Ai. They send the soldiers ahead of them, a couple of soldiers to check it out. And you can hear in their report how much belief there is going on in the nation of Israel at this time. By the way, God likes belief. God likes confidence. In the book of Hebrews 10, the Bible says, don't throw away your confidence. It has great rewards. We need to drill down though on our confidence and go a bit deeper. Make sure that it's not founded in the wrong things like circumstances or favorable experiences or everything going our way all of the time. The Bible tells us these spies come back and they're like, we only need two or 3,000 soldiers. We've got this, Moses. It's on lockdown. You don't even need to move. I mean, don't uproot families. Don't worry about the livestock and their fields and everything like that. Just send a fighting force. We'll go up there, take care of business and bring the victory back to you. So they send the two or 3,000 soldiers and off they go. Unbeknown to Moses and unbeknown to the Israelites, amongst a nation of perhaps millions of people, one man, his name was Achan, took some things that were devoted to God in the city of Jericho. So this is what God had said. He said, when you go into into Canaan and you begin to conquer the land, you can have everything that you find except what is in the city of Jericho. Every piece of, of property, all of the money, all of the clothing, all of the possessions, all of the livestock. You gotta kill all the livestock and leave all of the treasure. It must be given back to me. You can't keep any for yourselves. Why? Because it was their first fruits. And friends, let's just remember, it's another time in Scripture when the power of our tithe is explained to us as the redemptive portion that belongs not to us, but to God. And in moments of your life where you face hardship or difficulty, you're gonna take strength from this as I have for so many years of my life from the very first day that I became a Christian when I've returned the first 10%. For me, it's pedantic, religious. It is, it is unwaverable that when God blesses my life, the first payment out of the bank, the first 10% that moves goes back to God through His local church. And the Bible tells us that Israel had taken that which was belonging to God. One man, Achan, one man, Achan, one little portion, but he'd taken of that which belonged to God. The favor of God had lifted. Israel didn't know. So they sent these 3,000 soldiers to take the town of Ai. And when they 
were confronted with the army of Ai instead of an overwhelming victory that they expected, there was a sudden turn of events. Something that they thought would go their way didn't go their way. And instead of victory, they're soundly defeated. They're undone. They're not prepared for this. They did not expect this to take place. They went out there towards the city of of Ai thinking we will win, we will be victorious. We are Israel, God is on our side. No one can stand up against us. And instead of a confident victory, the Scripture tells us they are soundly defeated. In sport, that's not a good phrase, is it? You want to just lose. You don't want to be soundly defeated. There's no bravery in it, no, 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 no bagging rights in it. 36 soldiers died. And Israel, who'd been flying high, only had thoughts of victory, believing for great things, expectant of the most miraculous things, dreaming and scheming and planning and plotting and full of expectancy. The Bible says now are paralyzed with fear and their courage is melting away. One moment, they're confident, believing, full of energy, moving, responsive, expectant and alive. The next moment, full of fear, courage melted, paralyzing, lacking the energy to do anything at all. And when I read that, I was confronted by the fact that it's an amazing example about how in life things can suddenly switch. You found that to be true, that sometimes in life, You can have an expectancy that's going one way and suddenly, suddenly everything can come undone just so very, very quickly. You can have a belief that you're gonna change the world. Maybe you're young, full of dreams, still yet to experience cellulite or credit card debt and your your entire belief is that you're gonna change the world and no obstacles will ever come in your way. And then isn't it amazing as you make the journey of your life how quickly one moment We can be full of dreams and purpose and expectation. And next minute, it feels like the wheels have come off our proverbial bus. The things that can appear to be tracking ahead and no problems on the horizon. We're gonna be victorious. Everything's gonna go away. And next moment, everything seems like it's coming tumbling down. Come on, does anybody know what I mean? It's confidence and belief. Confidence and belief. These are very, very powerful things in our lives and things that God is pro. God loves confidence and God loves a heart that is full of belief. But the challenge for us is that so often we begin to develop our confidence and we begin to form our beliefs, not out of the richness of God's Word, but out of the blessing of our favourable circumstances. We're living a life where things go our way, so we become confident. Maybe you've yet to walk into an environment where you were rejected, so you walk into the party and your expectation is that people in this room are going to love me. And whilst you should have that expectation because you're not a worthless nobody, you are a blood-bought child of the Most High God. You're special, brilliant, chosen, favoured, beautiful, precious, anointed, talented and unique and favoured by heaven. And if you believe that, not only Ray, but how about everybody give God some praise in this place? When I walk into the party, my expectation for how you're gonna treat me shouldn't be based, out of, based from how other people have treated me thus far, but on what God says about me and what is true of me. 
The challenge for us comes that we begin to develop our confidence and our beliefs. We start to form our theology often out of good seasons. God is for me. I remember being a young preacher, 19, 20 years old, and man, true, if you had a God inside my mind, I just thought I was God's chosen man. I thought I was going to change the world. I was going to bring revival to the world. By the way, there's nothing untrue about that, but it was an ill-formed belief, an unfounded confidence based simply on the fact that up until that moment, everything had gone my way. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? And that's exactly where we find Israel right now. Confidence that is based in their circumstances and their experiences. And whenever you've got that kind of confidence in your life, it's a hollow veneer. It ain't a solid substance and it is not going to stand for you in moments when the perils and trials and difficulties of life suddenly erupt into your midst. Two weeks ago, the Hurricanes were going to win the Super Rugby Tournament. Today, we're not sure if there is a Super Rugby Tournament. Honestly, I don't feel like laughing about that. Like, even though we, I was a, a joke meant for your entertainment, but the truth is I'm heartbroken. I love the Hurricanes. I sat in my lounge room on Friday night with Jeremy at the second row, and I said, I just love Super Rugby so much. It's, the, it's one of the best things in my life, and the Lord doesn't mind it, by the way, guys. It's not an idol in my life. It's close, but not quite. I skip the occasional one for prayer and fasting, but the truth is today we don't even know where we are. And life's like that. And if our, if our confidence is based in our circumstances, then we're gonna find ourselves in some real difficulty. Israel are puffing out their chest. They're full of confidence, full of belief, expecting nothing but success. And then suddenly what they never thought would happen, happened. What they never imagined would come into their lives arrives. They lost their way. And it's not only them, sometimes in our lives too, we lose our way. We have moments that are confounding, experiences that are disappointing. People say awful things. You can be in school and already experience the most hurtful rejection. You can be Walk in the journey of your life expecting that you're gonna do something amazing. I'm gonna be a sports person, tragic injury. I'm married to this person and man, they're God's person for me. Then suddenly you're fighting. Launch a business, we're gonna give millions to the kingdom of God. Coronavirus, prophets plummet. I remember being a young preacher, full of confidence that I was gonna change the world, preaching to thousands on the weekend. Well, let's be honest, probably more like hundreds or tens, but thinking that I'd done great, people applaud, and then wake up on Monday. Insecurity, fear, self-doubt. It's very easy in life if we're allowing circumstances or if we're allowing just the, the, the things that are happening in our lives to form our belief on the inside of us. It's very easy to have experiences allow you to lose your way. When we lose our way, things come unstuck. When we lose our way, we come confounded. When we lose our way, we do what Israel does. We fall on our face. We doubt every promise. We begin to bemoan the God who sent us. We begin to blame everything that is around us. Sometimes in life, you are going to lose your way. We need to be prepared for that. 
Not because God is unfaithful to His promises, but because we live in a fallen world. We live in a world where God's will is not done most of the time. God never dreamed of any person to ever suffer abuse. It's not God's will, but it happens all the time. God doesn't want anybody to be without the basic necessities of life, food, clothing, shelter, but it happens a lot. And because of that, we're gonna live in a world where sometimes even though God does have a call for our lives and God does have a dream for you and great things are destined ahead and your decisions were founded on what you believe was the right step to take you into what God has for you, still then disappointing things can happen. We come unstuck and things don't always go the way we want. And the truth is, my friends, if you're in a moment in your life right now where you've lost your way, then the truth is every moment when you've lost your way looked like the moment that everything was gonna come to an end. Every time it's a moment where you're losing your way, you think this is the last page of your journey. And I can say that now because I'm old. The truth is when I was young, I was unprepared for moments when I lost my way. When I was 33 years old at a church that was only three years old, just moved into the Michael Fowler Center, I think, or about that season. Anyway, we were growing, things were crazy. And then suddenly we had a leaky home rotting from the inside out. I thought it was gonna be the last page. My son had an autoimmune disease. I thought it was gonna be the last page. Other events happen and people say stuff and difficulties come your way. And isn't it amazing how when you lose your way, you always think it's going to be the last page? And if you've lost your way this morning, I need to digress from this message long enough just to help you to remember that it doesn't matter what happens in any page of your life. I can tell you what the last page is. Jesus defeated sin. Jesus defeated death. There is no suffering for the children of God. There is an eternal home in heaven. The final page of your life has already been written. God's gonna work a good thing. If you can breathe in and out, God hasn't finished with you yet. And if you believe that, I need about 10 seconds of crazy praise all over this auditorium. If you believe, come on, praise Him for somebody who needs to find their way. Praise God for somebody who's doubting whether God's gonna do good things for them. Help them to know this morning, something's breaking in this room right now. Literally, literally, some stronghold over a mind is breaking. Hear the praises of God's people. Hear the voice of the Lord. God is for you and not against you. You're the head and not the tail. This sickness is not unto death. This problem won't end in your demise, but end in God's favour over you. Come on, if you believe it, another five seconds of praise. Come on, lift your voice. That's the God that we serve. That's the life that we live. That's the worship that we give. We serve a God who makes a way even when anybody else would say there is no way. Oh, I'm getting excited in this place this morning. See, the, the problem is, my friends, is that we go through seasons in our life where we've lost our way. And when you're in the middle of one of those seasons, it always seems like everything is gonna come tumbling down. And that's why we shouldn't base our confidence on our experiences. And neither should we develop our theology on only half of the Word of God. Because there are cutesy things that Christians like to memorize. God loves me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Before I was born, every day of my life was already written. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. We love that one. And the truth is, my friends, that all of these things are absolutely true. You are a conqueror. 
You are God's favoured child. God is on your side. How about we give an amen to that? God is on your side. You will know blessing. That's half the, half the theology. And that's why you weren't amening too loud because you knew the other half was coming. Even though all of that is true, you may have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You may have to stay faithful in a season of the night. You may have to praise Him in spite of your affliction. You may have to endure the midnight hour. Even though God loves you, even though God's on your side, even though every promise He ever gave you is still faithful and true, you still might lose your way. And this message is for anybody today who feels like they've lost their way. If you feel shattered, if you wonder what went wrong, if you never thought you'd find yourself or you find yourself right now, if you're lacking the strength to stand, if your dreams seem like a mirage, then this message is for you. Because the Bible tells us about the nation of Israel that in one moment, they believe they can change the world. They're untouchable. They're absolutely gonna walk in God's divine favour. They're standing literally in the promised land, expectant of great things ahead. And the very next moment, they are paralysed with fear at this turn of events and their courage melted away. If there's a word we need to hear right now, it's that at this turn of events, at this turn of events, they were paralysed with fear and their courage melted away. Drained, empty, weak, fearful, bewildered, they lost their way. And this can happen to us all. You, you can think that you're impenetrable. You can think that everything is gonna go well with you. Then suddenly in life, all it can take is just one turn of events. You invested in a relationship. You're a young adult. This is gonna be the one. And then suddenly it comes unstuck. I'm gonna set forth in this career. And then you're knocking on doors and no job is found. This is God's person, I'm going to be married. Then suddenly they walk out on you, leave you, you're alone. Maybe it's you, maybe it's you and the kids. The business doesn't go well, things don't always work well. One refusal, one denial, one tragedy, one failure, one setback, and suddenly you've lost your way. And the boat feels like it has no rudder and the dreams seem like fantasies and hopes seems gone. And we can clearly see the end. We've lost our way. When we dive into this passage of Scripture, Joshua is literally on the ground. He has torn his clothes and he's pouring dust on his head. And he's praying to God and saying, we are all about to die. And then in Joshua chapter 7, verse 7, we find one of the great dangers that can happen to any one of us. And I've got to pause, I've got to address this today because this is a trap that gets people most often in mid-seasons of their lives. But it, Mid-seasons can happen at any age, depending on what's happening to you like, like right now. But the Bible says in verse 7 that Joshua spoke up and he said, if only we had been content to stay on the other side. If only we'd never believed that God could use us. If only we'd never crossed the Jordan. And friends, the great danger of fear and disillusionment is that it gives birth to false contentment. We start wanting to settle for less because we blame ourselves for ever believing for more. 
Let every word of God be true and every thought of man be proven to be a liar. Let every inspired thought from the demonic realm be torn down in every mind that you would know that the dreams that are in you are given to you by the Most High God, that the promises you feel on the inside of you are because God Almighty has a plan for you. Oh, let every person in this auditorium and online know today that God is faithful to His promises, that whom He calls, He also favours, that what God starts, He also finishes, and that God is able to do something amazing in every life. If you believe it, give your God about 10 seconds of praise. Come on, I need about 200 people to stand to their feet and praise God that we're never going to go back. We're never going to settle again. We're not listening to false contentment. We're breaking through every barrier, raising high for all that God has. Come on, give your God some praise all over this room. This is Freedom Sunday. This is Freedom Sunday. False contentment is a trap of the enemy. We're content in all circumstances, but we're never retreating to the wilderness. Somebody shout amen. You might have had a setback, but that doesn't mean that God's forgotten who you are. And it doesn't mean that good things aren't ahead of you. It doesn't mean that in every season of your life, God is unable to do. No, God is able to do something good in this moment, in the next and in the season to come. Keep your dreams alive. Keep your confidence in Him and not in your circumstances. And know that your God is greater than every trial, every situation, every storm, every virus, every government. Our God is greater. And if you believe that, I need another 10 seconds of praise in this place this morning. Come on, praise Him for about two more seconds. Our God is greater. Our God is able. We're never going to listen to any voice of the enemy that says we should be happy here and settle down. No. If there's breath in your lungs, God has more for you. I want to help you today if you've lost your way more specifically. But before I turn to that, let me tell you this. No, No matter how dark your night might be, no matter how painful the tragedy is that you're walking through, no matter how confounding the circumstances might appear, no matter how much your theology is called to question by the momentary pressures you're experiencing this season, don't you ever stop believing in the goodness of God. Don't you ever stop believing that your God is on your side. I love Job. I read the book of Job last month and my Lord, I've never got more out of it than I got on this read through. Firstly, how horrible his circumstances were, how terrible his friends were. By the way, when you've lost your way, it's very easy for other people to not understand the reason why. Job lost his way and his friends said to him, you must have taken a poor man's cloak as security for a loan and not given it back to him. And that's why this has happened. What kind of vengeful God kills your livestock, destroys your buildings in earthquakes and causes your children to die simply because you took a cloak from another man. That's what we call $5,000 worth of punishment for a 50 buck crime. But his friends were giving him advice like, you must have turned a widow away at the door and that's why this has happened. But I love Job. Because even though his friends were trying to say God was against him, even though his life was screaming, you're a horrible, worthless person and God is looking somewhere else and ignoring the suffering of your life. He said, even now, Job 23, 19, even now, even now, 
my witness is in heaven. And even now, my advocate is on high. I need somebody in this room who's lost their way to know today that even now, even now, even now your witness is in heaven. Even now, Jesus is interceding for you. There might be a mortgage company knocking at your door, but Jesus is still praying for you. There might be a health report that looks turbidal, but Jesus is still powerful. You might feel like you're all alone, but there is a friend who is closer than a brother. And in every circumstance of your life, know that your God loves you. If you believe that somebody around you definitely needs to hear it, I want you to praise God for someone on your left and on your right who needs to know God hasn't forgotten you, God hasn't left you alone, and God is on your side. So my friends, the question we need to ask is, so what do we do when we lose our way? I wanna give you four things this morning. I'm gonna try and do it as quick as I can. But four things. And let's go through it because these are all things that God said to Joshua. And the first thing that God said to Joshua when He spoke to him, we're gonna find it in verse 10. God spoke and He said to Joshua two words, get up, get up. Why are you lying on your face like this? Why are you allowing this circumstance to take you so low? My friends, isn't it amazing that when God wanted to move in Joshua's life, the first thing that he addressed was self-pity and despondency? God said, listen, Joshua, you can't allow this to overwhelm you to such a state that you are just wallowing where you are. God's saying, no, 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 I've got good things for you. But before good things begin to happen for you and to you, I need you to change your posture. Get up off the ground. The Bible says that the steps of a good man or woman are ordered by the Lord. And though he falls down, the Lord is gonna lift him back up again. And you might not get knocked down, but I'm here to tell you, it's your time to get back up. It's your moment to get back up. Life might have handed you some awful circumstances. You might be wallowing in the shadows, but this is your Freedom Sunday. This is the Sunday where you tell the devil, you might have taken me out for a moment, but I'm jumping back up to my feet. I'm not allowing you, devil, to stop my praise. I'm not allowing you, Satan, to rob me of of a smile. I'm getting back up and I'm declaring that my God loves me and that good things are still ahead. Come on, go crazy. Praise your God in this place this morning. It's time to get back up. It's time to get back up. It's time to, the story hasn't finished. The last chapter has already been written and the only way your life ends is in the victory of Jesus on the cross. So I'm here to tell you, get back up and start telling every circumstance, every negative report that you might have the moment, but you don't own the whole story because Jesus owns the story and He won it at the cross. And if you believe it, give God some praise. Come on, give your God some praise. Get back up, get get back up. Why do you need to get back up? Because your, prof- your posture is a prophecy. Your posture is a prophecy. You don't just walk into the party with confidence because everybody loved you last time. You walk into the party with confidence because you're a blood-bought child of the Most High God, ordained, favoured, anointed, called, appointed, set apart, and destined by God to win. Somebody say amen. It's your moment to get back up. We lose our way when we get knocked down and we stay down. 
We lose our way when we wallow in pain rather than remembering God's promises. We lose our way when we allow the moment that causes us to come unstuck, to have more time in the centre of our minds than the moment that it originally occupied. Did you understand what I said there? When I've lost my way, the greatest tragedy of that, if I can be honest with you, is that normally a moment happened, I lost my way, and then I kept replaying it. I kept living in it. I preached the sermon, it helped 99% of the people, but in one moment, I wasn't happy with what I did or said. And on Monday, I don't think of the 99%. I'm not talking about now, I'm talking about when I was younger. But I've learned. I've learned. I can go to the boy, Job said. I can go to the boy, David said, sorry. But I can't bring the boy back to me. So that's why I'm not staying on the ground. That's why I'm not wallowing in my self-pity. That's why I'm not giving my life over to grief and mourning for the longevity of my life. I'll grieve from an appropriate season, but then I'm standing back up to my feet, knowing that this might have been an awful season, but God's still got something good ahead, that God's still able to make a way. And I just need to declare over somebody this morning that God's still able to work something good, even in the middle of your pain and your trial and your difficulty. We serve a God who's always doing something good. And if you believe it, praise Him in this place this morning. Number two, number two, the second thing we need to do is we need to own our part. Own our part. I wanted to skip this in this message because it wasn't necessarily exciting, but I felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit because if there is a challenge that we have as a culture, it would be that nobody's ever to blame for anything that happens to them. Oh, you might have lost your rag, lost it at a party, you know, beat someone to a pulp, but the reason why you did it is because you were hurt as a child. I'm not here, I'm not here to give anything other than empathy for the pain that other people may have inflicted to you. But God is not preparing you for a nursery. God is preparing you to rule and reign over the universe. God has got very big things ahead of you. I mean, uh, my son, is, I think he might be in the auditorium, but he's just turned 13 years old. And I tell him every day, you're a man. So I'm not preparing him anymore for childhood. I'm still trying to be encouraging, full of promise. I love him and his mother and his sister more than anything in the world. But the truth is, I need to prepare him for something greater than what I was preparing for him in the last season. And know this, God is preparing you for something amazing. And if He's gonna do that, the one thing He's gonna require is that you own your part. And if I'm seeing a problem in our culture today, one day we might do a series on this, is that too many people are approaching every situation, conflict, difficulty, trial and they never did anything wrong if you want to keep yourself before God walking in favour then know this you're only ever one moment of repentance away from the renewed love and favour of God but God is also a God of justice and He sometimes waits for us to admit I'm not an innocent bystander entirely I mean one man stole and 36 died we can agree 
that the circumstances were greater than the event. And what's happening to you in your life might be greater than you deserve, but know this, you might have played a part. Not for the part of others, but for your part, you have to own your part. Repentance will release the favour of God. We're not victims, we're God's children. We have to own our part. Number three, our third point this morning, we have to listen to His voice. We have to listen to His voice. We have to stop. We have to listen. We have to wait. In a 24-7 connected generation, this is a great challenge for us. To embrace a posture of expectant listening. It's unfounded because if we're bored, we grab a phone. If we're on a train, we're scrolling. There's a gap between meetings, we're checking emails. And in the middle of all that, there's a God who is waiting to be heard. What's the difference between the two battles with AI? The answer is really simple. In one battle, they relied on methods and systems and previous experiences. And the other, they inclined their ear to the voice of God. The problem for me is that when I lose my way, I'm playing out every, every scenario. I'm playing out every circumstance. I'm seeing everything that could go wrong. And I've had to learn, and I'm still learning, I guess, at some level, just to push back into silence. The prophet Jeremiah, they called him the weeping prophet because he prophesied during the fall of Israel and their sentence into captivity. But Jeremiah said, I have silenced my soul within me like a winged child. He said, I'm just not going to listen to the voices. I'm going to listen to the voice of God. Silence my soul. I honestly believe that today, right now, for some people who have lost their way, the voice of God is wanting to speak to you. He's wanting to speak. God said to Joshua, set an ambush behind the city. He'd never done that. Joshua had never done that. Joshua had never employed that strategy, never thought to do it. But he stopped long enough to hear the voice of God. Finding your way might be as easy today as one whisper of heaven straight into your heart. Our fourth point, I'll just do this one super quick. Sometimes in our lives, if we want to find our way, we just have to make one small goal. Make one small goal. God didn't say to Joshua, here's a multi-point plan. 3,000 soldiers believed that they could take the city of Ai. And now God says to Joshua, take the whole army. Now, we never are given a number for Joshua's army, but Moses' army was 800,000 warriors. And suddenly we've got what must have been in the hundreds of thousands of soldiers going to do what 3,000 people thought they could do. I read that many, many times in my life and thought, why? Why would God do that? That's overkill. And then I started to realize something about how we find our way again. Because here's the problem. When you lose your way, 
the temptation is that you start swinging sixes off every pitch. Every ball comes and you're aiming for six. My son was playing cricket the other day. I'm sorry, Will, I owe you money at the end of the sermon, but he's playing cricket and his team were losing. They were chasing a score of 214 and a batsman fell and a batsman fell and a batsman fell. And finally, it was Will's turn to go out. And his coach just said to him, Will, you've got one goal. Stay in as long as you can. Just stay in as long as you can. And sometimes in life, that's what we need. We're going to find our way. We've got to scrap. See, the challenge is, is that the relationship ends and suddenly you're on some crazy keto diet, going to the gym six days a week, trying to get everything in your life back on track so that you can find a new love. And God's not saying, don't do that. He's saying, just sit in my presence for 20 minutes a day and let me tell you that you're not what they thought of you and they're not what the relationship made you believe about yourself, but you're actually a love child of God and I've still got a purpose for you. Sometimes in order to get the way back, we have to go not big, but one small goal. Five minutes a day in prayer. That might be what God's saying to you today. Just five minutes. If you've lost a job and right now you feel like there's just no promise for you for the future, this might be the one thing you need to do. Get out of bed every morning at 7 a.m., have a shower and put on a set of clothes. That might be all you need to do. Because sometimes in life to get your way back, you just need one small thing that's gonna unlock a whole lot more if you just do the one thing that God wanted you to do. The Bible says that they conquered Ai and then suddenly every nation was in fear of Israel again. Why? Because they conquered a two-bit town? No, because they did what God did and God did what God did. They, 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 they did what God told them to do and then God did what God can do. And sometimes in our lives, we need to stop trying to do what God's gonna do and just do what God's asked us to do. Am I making sense? Come with me. Come with me, Nick. Walk with me. See, God comes to Joshua and He says, Joshua, could you do this? Could you walk behind me? He said, could you? I love you. God said, God said to Joshua, He said, could you just march around the city one time, Jericho, once, one time? Could you do that, that one small thing? Could you just march around the city one time every day? I mean, I'm not asking you to do everything, but could you do that one thing? Who's ever heard of just doing that one thing, that simple thing? Join us, Christy Lee, it's fun. The Bible says that, The Bible says that Joshua has got a walled city, impenetrable, impenetrable city, wall so thick, they race chariots around it. And in order to bring victory over the devil, in order to get the the city back, the Bible says they're just marching around the city once a day, every day. And then on the sixth day, the seventh day, they marched around the city seven times. And then all they did was they lifted a shout. Now, let me ask you a question. Can a shout bring down walls? No, they can't. But through faith, they can. So you're both right. But the truth is, my friends, that it wasn't about the power of a shout. It was about a posture of obedience to one small thing. And I want you to know that one small thing can change your life. One small thing can get you back on your way. One obeyed commandment of heaven could unlock the favour of God. And if you believe that for somebody here, why don't you stand to your feet and give your God one great shout of praise.